This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcast every Tuesday morning from 8 to 9 on KUCI, 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. As globalization and terrorism intensify the pressure to close America's doors, our guest today, Michelle Wooker, argues that to do so would be catastrophic. In her new book, Lockout, Why America Keeps Getting Immigration Wrong When Our Prosperity Depends on Getting It Right, Wooker documents the mistakes that led to our predicament today and clarifies why it would be a colossal lack of self-knowledge if America attempted to turn its back on the rest of the world, and in doing so, on the best of itself. Worker has written extensively about emerging, emerging market policies and economies for International Financing Review's online capital markets analyst service for Dow Jones Newswires and the Wall Street Journal. Most recently, she has been a senior fellow at the World Policy Institute. Michelle Worker, welcome to Weekly Signals. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, thanks for being on. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, although, you know, looking at some of the, you know, increasingly bizarre news coming across the country, coming out from across the country on immigration and just yeah. thinking, what's next? Well, what's, what's one that's uh, caught your attention recently? Well, you know, I was, I was just in Texas last week mm-hmm. where, where I grew up, and um, uh, the town of Farmer's Branch, which is a suburb of Dallas, had, had passed another one of these laws, which are increasingly popular across the country, to come up with local ordinances to crack down on uh, illegal immigration and to, to fine uh, local landlords for, for renting to anyone they can't prove has the right to live there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it was all people could talk about. And uh, we, we've seen a lot of these across the, the country, even as... You see towns like like Hazleton, Pennsylvania, which was the first one to do this, um, you know, reporting that, that people are moving out of town, that, that businesses are, are closing, um, that it's been very, very divisive. Uh-huh. And I just, you know, I wanted to sit, want to see all these, these towns that are considering doing this. You know, I also want to ask them, well, if you see what the results are, how come you're still doing this? So businesses are moving out of towns that pass these laws, is what you're saying? They're, yeah. Yeah. People are re- reacting. Uh, and, he, and, uh, you know, we're, we're here in Orange County, the uh, Costa Mesa, the, uh, the home, of, well, of Costa Mesa, yeah, which sorry, has I'm a sorry. bizarre immigration policy, and also uh, even at KUCI, we've had Jim Grillchrist of the Minutemen here. So it's this anti-immigration uh, fervor is sweeping the nation in a way. What's your impression of the way uh, politicians play this? Uh, do you think many of them are sincere, or is this are they using fear to... Uh... I think they're using fear. They see people getting hopped up about something um, that in truth isn't nearly as, as big of a, a problem as that a lot of them say, and it gives them a free pass on everything else. Um, you know, I get a lot of, uh, of hate mail. I'll be on TV or an interview, and, huh. and I get people writing me just outraged. And, but some of, it, some of it's outrage, and some of it's, it sounds like they're reading from a script. Yeah. Um, this, you know, what part of illegal don't you understand? And um, there's there's a whole list of all sorts of things that they blame on illegal immigrants, including, you know, the U.S. health healthcare system not you know, providing Americans care um, because of the, illegal immigration. <laughs> yes. Well, that you know, it's, it's they, they a lot of people are under the impression that illegal immigrants are getting health care that U.S. citizens aren't. 
which is not true. Did you? Uh, did, I'm sure you've, you saw the, the or heard about the Rand study that we just, that just came out a couple of days ago. Which, no, I didn't. Which uh, okay, the Rand, uh, which is a I think most people uh, would categorize it as sort of a moderate, middle of the road kind of think tank, uh, came out with a with an assessment that the cost of uh, immigra- illegal immigration uh, health care costs are somewhere around a billion, uh, eleven billion dollars for the country, much much lower than uh, than were, was these uh, the advocates for restricting, uh, the anti-immigration uh, advocates have been saying. And, well, uh, go ahead. Interesting. You know, I've been been traveling, so I'm sort of all this news is sort of going past my ears. But I can tell you one thing on on, on health care, um, which is that by keeping people in the shadows, by keeping right. them illegal, so that the only time they can get health care is when they're in an emergency room situation, right. and you know, by law, the you know the hospitals can't deny emergency care. Um, by letting health care problems get to that point. Um, we're actually costing ourselves much, much more uh, than we might otherwise. So, you know, even though the, 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 the estimates are lower than people thought, they could be, you know, even lower if we use some sensible policies. Um, a few weeks ago, there was a story here in New York City that the hospitals uh, were taking a look at people who regularly came in for emergency care, you know, people who couldn't afford anything else, and started providing uh, uh, free or low-cost preventative care so that, you know, you're you're paying to treat a hangnail instead of to cut off a toe with gang- gangrene, you know. It's a mm-hmm. much, much lower cost. And they dramatically slashed their costs by just a little bit more sensible spending. Mm-hmm. So so policies that, that keep uh, illegal immigrants in the, the shadows, basically, because our, our laws don't provide a, a framework for enough visas for the workers this country needs, um, those laws are actually costing us a lot more um, than a, a more sensible policy might do. Well, I want to go back uh, and start sort of at the, uh, as you talk about the uh, the great uh, immigration, immigration um, the, I say the golden age of immigration going back to the 1800s and early 1900s. And it was a different kind of immigrant population. It was mostly Irish, mostly Europeans that were coming to America. What well, What is it about the current? I mean, well, go ahead if you want to comment. Oh, on that. Well, I'm saying you know the, the the kind of things that you heard about the, the the Southern and Eastern Europeans, the Irish, the Italians who were coming then, yeah. are so similar to what you hear today about uh, Mexicans or Asians, the sort of, you know, newer, large uh, immigrant populations. You'd hear, oh, those people, they're never going to be able to, to become Americans. They're, they're, they're culturally inferior. They, they don't want to, they, they don't want to accept our values. Um, it's, you know, you could almost just, you know, cut and paste. <laughs> you know, if you, if you had Microsoft Word documents from back then. Right. You could, you could use the same verbiage. It's, it's, Basically, being done by by politicians who want to manipulate a fear of the unknown, a fear of people that are different than us, isn't that primarily where this comes from? Absolutely, and it gives them a free pass on other issues. It's you know, a distraction. Quoted in the New York Times last spring, as, as the Senate was was debating immigration, and he said, "You know, I'd really much rather be arguing about immigration than about Iraq." And who said this? I missed. Which... I think it was a. I believe it was a, a senator. Ah. Well, yeah, in, the, in, the, in the Times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's such a a, a black and white issue for for most of these people. And, and 
By the way, we are speaking with yeah. Michelle Booker. The book is Lockout. And what do you say to people who who uh, who are who believe that their jobs are being taken by illegal immigration? Well, I've looked through a lot of the economic research on it, and it shows that uh, that that's really not uh, not the case um, for anyone who. Uh, there's a small group of the population who does see heightened competition because of immigration, and that's people who've dropped out of high school. Um, so, but the problem is, you know, you're, the answer is not to cut off all immigration and to keep people in the shadows. Um, it's to make sure that Americans finish high school, that that Americans have the resources that they need. Um, the other part of it is that the the answer that a lot of people uh, supply to people who are afraid that their jobs are being taken um, is that well, we need to make it harder and harder for illegals to live here, that we, we need to shut the doors. Well, the truth is, um, it's not just the number of people who are here, it's the conditions under which they're working. And by keeping people in the shadows, that is actually much more likely to take jobs away from Americans because certain employers, and, and you know, there's some employers who would follow the law if they could, but there's some employers who take advantage of people's illegal status to not pay them overtime, to pay them late, to not pay them at all, uh, to not provide safe working conditions. And whenever someone complains about it, uh, a number of companies have actually called immigration on themselves and use our immigration laws to come in and uh, you know sweep up anyone undocumented working for them, and in that sense to to make it easier for them to continue with these labor violations. In, so, in, a, in addition to sending a message to anyone else who might want to say anything. Right? Exactly, exactly. So the answer is not to make life more miserable for people here without papers. It's to make it possible for them to defend their rights because, you know, anyone being abused in the workplace is not good for U.S. workers. There's, there's, there are so many components of this, uh, and one of them, and I think it's an extremely important part of the uh, of, of the discussion is, is that the places that these people are come from are coming from are economically deprived. Uh, some of them, third world countries that they're coming from, and there, we do as 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 far as a, uh, our policies regarding some of these countries, we do bear some responsibility in that the working conditions in Mexico and Central America and South America are so poor. There's no the minimum wage is almost non-existent. There's there's a reason why they're coming here. They're coming here to provide for their families. If the economics of the of their home countries were better, they wouldn't be coming here to do. They would be coming here to do a lot of the jobs in agriculture and and other industries, but they wouldn't be coming here in the numbers that they are now. Isn't that a, an important thing that we don't ever address, which is the Absolutely. economic structure of the countries that they're coming from? Absolutely. There's so much focus on the border and whether we're going to build a wall or what we're going to do. Um, and the real thing that's going to slow immigration is if you start getting, you know, education and health care in some of the, the sending countries. If you uh, take away some of the, the, the government corruption and bureaucratic uh, red tape, there's a, a wonderful uh, economist from Peru named Hernando de Soto who writes a lot about all of the uh, the red tape that's 
required in a lot of, of third world countries, whereas you have to file, you know, a hundred different pieces of paperwork just to start a business. Um, so it's it's really policies in the, the migrant sending countries that need to be looked at. That that once uh, once those countries start turning around, uh, that's when you're going to see immigration slowing. Well, and, and another part of this is that Amer- uh, American and other multinational corporations control a tremendous amount of the economies, uh, a big percentage of the economies of these countries, and have been through through the force of economic force and political, uh, um, the political will, have depressed wages to, to a point, and they don't have to provide health care. There's a lot of factors that if they were improved, they wouldn't, there wouldn't be the pressing need for, for them to leave these countries. And uh, that's, I mean, I, and that's part of the NAFTA-CAFTA agreements. A lot of these things have sort of codified this unequal treatment of the workforces in these countries. That's something that we, we should have uh, been more cautious about getting involved that's, in. That's a big issue. And another thing is you look at the, the U.S. Uh, agricultural yeah. industry where you have huge subsidies going to the very biggest businesses, of course, you know, in the name of protecting the U.S. small farmer. Um, when, frankly, in a lot of, of countries in, in South America, for example, you've got much more favorable um, growing conditions. Um, you've got a lot of labor um, that, uh, you know, obviously they come here to do agricultural work. They're, they're, they're well suited to it. Um, but what we've done is we've, is we've sort of, you know, sucked up the, 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 the bulk of uh, agribusiness uh, left it in the United States with, uh, with huge subsidies, very capital intensive. Whereas if, you know, some of this agriculture were, were done, in uh, in countries like Mexico and and further south, uh, you could employ a lot of people, uh, ease some of the need for them to uh, to leave, and also uh, you know produce a more more foreign exchange and uh, help the economies of these countries. Mm-hmm. We we're speaking with uh, Michelle Worker, and the book is Lockout. We're talking about illegal immigration, though, and and the uh, the lower skill workers. And we haven't really begun to address what the, the positives of immigration are, too. It, it, it seems that uh, the politicians have framed this into a debate about the border and about uh, the negative impacts on the economy of anyone coming from another country and taking a job and not on the, the positive impacts of someone coming from somewhere else and, and contributing to this country. Can you uh, talk a little bit about that? Sure, and and you know we're we're missing out on a lot of that. Um, there was actually another study um, that came out last week saying that uh, immigrants, uh, entrepreneurs in the United States, have created uh, more than five hundred billion with a B, five hundred billion dollars in um, uh, in new business in this country um, through uh, uh, venture capital, um, and particularly in uh, in California, you know, out of, of Silicon Valley, you you see a huge number of, of those businesses being founded. By, by immigrants um, nationwide, about fifty percent of our scientists and uh, engineers, research and development workers, are foreign-born, uh, which very much belies this stereotype of the, the strawberry picker and the busboy. When really only one out of five immigrants works in those sort of stereotypical, uh, lower-skilled, you know, home care, agriculture kind of jobs. That's one out of five. It's, it's, that's, that's surprising to me. You would think, listening to the propaganda that you get from some of the, like the Minutemen, uh, 
that it was the other way around, you know, that it was not five and one, but I mean four out of five. It would, it yeah. would be uh, uh, taking low-end jobs and, and, and really uh, taking jobs away from uh, middle-class blue-collar workers, too. Well, this idea that one immigrant coming into the country automatically takes a job away from an American uh, is really a fallacy. Um, you look at the, the clustering uh, concept, and you've, you've got the MIT corridor, you've got Silicon Valley, um, you've got New York with you know finance and fashion. In areas where you've got a, a concentration of talents of one industry, um, sort of the more the more people who come to that uh, sort of center of activity and innovation, um, the more it allows that to grow. And the United States is only 300 million people out of, you know, what, 6, 7 billion people around the world. Um, so we've only got a very small percentage of the world's best and brightest here. And when somebody comes here, you know, for example, uh, you know, someone who can uh, attract venture capital and create a, a company and a lot of other jobs, um, then uh, that means that, that the immigrant's not taking a job from Americans. The immigrant is actually creating jobs. It's not always the case, but it's, uh, it, it's not true that an immigrant comes and takes a slice of the pie away from an American. It, it makes the whole pie bigger. Okay, um, Michelle Booker, I want to ask you ab about, we're talking, let's talk about illegal immigration. Let's sort of, I think what you're talking about right now is more of the uh, the legal, legal, the legal people, immigration, which people are coming for jobs that you can't work illegally. Right, for. and 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 I think that's the, where I really want to kind of move the discussion, which is let we have to be honest with with the politicians, uh, the government, community leaders have to be honest about this. There's always going to be a need for uh, unskilled labor or low skilled labor to do the work of agriculture, meatpacking, whatever it is. There's a whole slew of jobs that uh, these people do now. It, there's always going to be that need, and there's always going to be this tension, and there's always going to be this ability of politicians to rail against illegal immigration because it's an easy target and people are easily frightened. How are we going to get past this, this sort of hyper-charged uh, rhetoric and really get to a point where do we, is it a guest program or do you advocate something along the lines of that? Is there some kind of a solution here, open borders? What is it that will allow us to get beyond the rhetoric and really kind of begin to address this in a way that makes sense? Well, it's definitely not open borders. And, you know, it's interesting. You hear people in this debate on the one hand saying that everyone, uh, you know, who talks about any problems with immigration being racist and xenophobic. And on the other hand, anyone who says, look, we need a more rational system becomes, oh, open borders. You want to let everyone in. In fact, you're, you're working for the Mexican government. Um, what we need to do is, is come up with a number of employment-based visas that's a lot closer to reality. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not letting absolutely everybody who wants to come in, come in. But um, uh, right now, uh, only about, uh, we only provide about two-thirds as many visas as the number of people coming in every year. Mm -hmm. So it's so far out of whack with, with, you know, 10, 12 billion people here without papers. The problem's so big that you can't even begin to, to put your finger on it. Um, so one, uh, you need to look at the people who are here illegally and realize that uh, the law we created in 1986 uh, 
created the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, one, it didn't allow uh, enough visas for people coming in the future. Um, the employer enforcement provisions were completely full of loopholes, one big piece of Swiss cheese. Yeah. Um, you know, we might as well have, have come up with an engraved invitation and put a little stamped RSVP card mm-hmm. <laughs> down to the, say, come on, come here illegally, yeah. because we're just going to look the other way. Nobody's going to get punished. But it looked like we were doing something. Right. I mean, the sort of the, the political side of it is they're doing something about immigration. But in fact, it was, it was you send a, one message to the Americans and you send one message to, to everybody else. Right. It's sort of one big hoodwink. Um, and, you know, it had things like, you know, if an, as an employer, you'd only get get penalized if you, quote, knowingly hired someone right. who was illegal. Right. Um, now, right now, there's not a realistic system for employers to really tell if someone's legal or not. I mean, many employers will just look the other way when they see something that's clearly fake. Um, but like, the, the, like the entire meatpacking industry does every day. Yeah, yeah. And But, you know, there are also forgeries that are so good that the employer can't really tell. And so you've got, for mm-hmm. example, a um, hundred different names working tied to the same Social Security number. Right. Now, there's a small program that lets employers, um, you know, check if the, the, the number matches, but not very many employers participate in this. And part of that is because if you do want to be above the ground um, and there aren't enough visas to let you do it that way, and the people who are ignoring all the laws um, are getting advantages in, in, in the business field, you're basically facing the choice of, well, do I follow the law and go out of business, or right. do I break the law and keep in business? I mean... Right. Right. It's not very hard a choice. Right. Well, there's another component to this, which is uh, I've worked a, a little bit with some uh, immigration rights groups. And one of, the, one of the things that I've been told is that because of the system that we have, because it is so arduous and tough f- for many people to get across the border, that once they're here, they don't want to go back for any reason, and they want to try and get their families over here as, as much as quickly and as, as they can. Because they want they want to be with their families, so be, by virtue of the, our our policy now, the the sort of back and forth that they would like to do, which is work here when it's seasonably seasonably reasonable for them to work in the fields of uh, farm fields and all that, and go back home when it's not feasible, they would do that, but they can't because they're sort of a captive of coming across the border and and being sort of a a stranger in a strange land. Absolutely. And the other thing is that if you get caught, um, depending on how long you've been here illegally, um, you are banned from coming back into the United States for either three years, ten years, or forever. Mm. Um, so, you know, again, here's so, a law that So is that part of the solution? Is that something we need to do? Is make it so they can go back and forth? And does that make it a guest worker program? Well, um, interestingly, I think some people do want to go back and forth. A lot of people are opposed to guest worker programs are actually opposed to the part that would allow people to eventually become legal permanent residents and uh, and citizens. Um, and that's the com- component that is most important to the success of a guest worker program. Mm-hmm. Um, because some people do want to keep going back and forth, and that's fine. Um, but the problem is if you have people completely beholden to employers, um, and if there's no chance of them ever going off of that track, you end up with a permanent marginalized population. Mm-hmm. And that's the so, real fear on the people who are opposed to that. 
is that you would just become an indentured servitude uh, to that particular company. Right. And, and some people are opposed to that. The, the, the Senate uh, bill last year actually had a provision that you could jump off the guest worker track and into a permanent track. But a lot of the people who really oppose it are not opposed to the the, the guest part of it. Well, they, they don't want more people coming legally, and they definitely don't want people to have a path to citizenship. You use it, you hear it used as a synonym for legalization, yeah. and that's what people are opposed to. Um, we need a guest worker program where people can move from one pl- employer to the other, where they have some more freedom, some more ability to stand up for their rights. That's the essential component, component of making a guest worker program right. Well, this is an, a long and involved discussion. There's so many more aspects to it that I would love uh, to talk to you about, but unfortunately, uh, we're, we've run out of time. I want to remind our listeners, once again, the book is Lockout, Why America Keeps Getting Immigration Wrong When Our P- Prosperity Depends on Getting It Right. Michelle Wilker, thank you for being on Weekly Signals. My pleasure. To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And this is Weekly Signals.